Every generation likes to talk about how much harder things used to be when they were kids. Like all the people or my dad who used to walk five miles to school, in the snow, uphill, both ways, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to have a conversation with Mike this week on the show about retirement planning. Is it harder than it used to be on strategic planning? Welcome to the Strategic Planning Podcast with financial coach Mike Flanders. With more than 40 years of experience in the financial services industry, Mike knows the X's and O's that'll help you achieve your financial goals. It's time for the Strategic Planning Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. It's Strategic Planning with Mike Flanders from Strategic Planning Corporation. And Mike and I are here to discuss, is retirement planning harder than it used to be? Mike, did you have to go uphill both ways in the snow to school? You know, I was going to say something about that. Even if you didn't ask me after I heard your intro there, I thought, no, man, in Florida, I was walking uphill 10 miles each way in the snow, but it was fake that's, snow. And that's was, right. Uh, a nice 80 degree temperature. Outside and everybody, it seems like everybody heard that from their, their parents or grandparents, oh, yeah. right? It's one of those funny little things, you know, and, and I'm sure it's some, in some ways it's to designed to make a kid scratch their head. Like, wait, wait, both ways? How do you go uphill both ways? Both ways. Yeah, it was a circle. You just kept on going. That's right. Exactly. But, you know, it's a fun analogy to think about, Mike. You know, things were certainly easier. And I think this is going to be my take as we start this conversation. Retirement planning, is it harder than it used to be? I'm going to say no, but it is more complex. Yeah, right? I think you're right. So yeah. things are I simpler, think- I think back in the day, for sure, right? But we're, sure, we, we've sure. added we've added a lot of technology and a lot of great new things, but we also have complicated things, as we right. tend to do as humans, right? So anyway, More moving parts now as uh, that you didn't have back then. But you know, is it it isn't it doesn't have to be harder from the standpoint of it's about discipline and it's about making good decisions about what you're going to do and then sticking to a plan. So, I mean, it it, it doesn't have to be super hard, but yeah, sure, there's a lot more things to do, and that's why. It, People like me have come along, you know, that help people figure this stuff out and they don't have to fool with it. You know, they just get their plan set and go. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's jump in. Number one, job stability and company loyalty. And Mike, this might work both ways now too, right? We obviously don't have people working at jobs for 30 years or 40 years anymore like we used to, right? Used to see that that was the norm. Uh, and people sometimes will say, well, that's because the workers of today don't have the loyalty. But I think it's fair to say companies don't also show the yeah, loyalty exactly. back as well. And then you think about the transient nature of life. It used to be you would take take the job in the town you lived in, whatever, and you never left. But, you know, right. with people moving more and more over the last 30, 40, 50 years, you, you have no choice but to change. Yeah. I mean, uh, all the advertising is toward, you know, getting all the life you can get, you know, you got transportation that's so easy now and schooling uh, is geared toward experience. And so kids have opportunities to go overseas for part of their study and all that sort of thing. So it generates that moving kind of uh, sense of things. And, and um, the, the younger the generations have come, the more ability they've had to, to be mobile like that. And so it, it, it does generate that ability to move from job to job. Um, I know my dad, the way they did it and and kind of started generating this this sort of mindset was they'd move him every two years. And so we would move every two, three years, things like that, to another location. And he'd start working with those clients that uh, he worked for Eastman Kodak in that area. But it generated that sense of there's no set place where you are. You can move around and, and all that sort of thing. Of course, they had a pension and 
all those kinds of things. But um, with the mobility then from job to job or company to company, that's gone away and it's more fund your own. And you know, so supposedly the companies have increased the compensation to give you the ability to do that as opposed to them funding the pension directly. But uh, different people have different takes on that. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and so, I, like I said, I think it goes kind of both ways. So if that, you know, obviously that being the case, we clearly have to put the onus on ourselves. And I'm going to shuffle our order yeah. around just for a second, Mike. And, and for number two, I'm going to say less reliance on personal savings. So if you're thinking about the job, you used to go there and you had the pension, right? right. Uh, and you had the pension, you had Social Security, and you had maybe a modest or even no savings, and you were still fine. So there yeah. was not much reliance on personal savings for our parents or grandparents, but that is certainly not the case now. All the rules that keep coming out for uh, Secure Act, Secure Act 2.0, they keep doing things saying, hey, y'all better take care of yourselves because, you know, and they're trying to still put some things in place to make us do it, right? They're, they're, now that you're oh, yeah. automatically put in unless you opt out, that kind of stuff, which is great because right. people can be lazy. But again, if you're not seeing reading the tea leaves, that the, it's, it's on you, and this is even good for our kids and grandkids, to save, you're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. And, you know, funny thing, when you think about our grandparents, our, our parents, yeah, they did not have to rely as much on personal savings or personal investment. They had the pension, they had Social Security or, you know, government pension on top, you know, different things like that. But they saved anyway. And they did it in a inefficient way from the standpoint of it usually went into CDs and money markets and things like that, that had their days. Uh, but those days when they had higher interest rates being paid on those accounts were also were higher inflation days. And so they really weren't going anywhere, but they have that money that they've accumulated in many cases. In our generation and our younger, our kids and grandkids and things like that, there's um, more of a tendency to be, and again, I think it's because of the culture of get it now, not to be as thrifty or frugal or whatever. And there is a tendency. Now, it's not across the board. There's you know, the uh, brilliant exceptions, but um, you know where we tend to spend what we get and not uh, without some help uh, from the employer, you know, so, uh, automatically opting you into their 401k or, or whatever, or your parents uh, being good tutors of your children about saving money and, and being careful with it. Uh, there, there's a tendency to kind of be late getting started because it's just not front front of mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? And, and again, like you've got to stress this to whomever, your loved ones, right? Because this has clearly got to be the case. you got to put more, you know, uh, reliance on that personal savings. And it's it's only going to get worse, Mike. I mean, I think I can't see how it doesn't, right, for the yeah, future I mean, generations. The way that um, the government spends money, which is a horrible example for us as people, right? right they just right. print it. Uh, somebody was saying to me yesterday that they heard that um, the government was going to send the plates to be able to print money over to China and just let them print their own money there over there with our printing dollars for them to Jeez. use. Uh, but I mean, it's just crazy how we loan, you know, borrow money from China, from other places, and just create this ongoing debt service requirement that's going to cause us to have to pay higher taxes. And um, you know, when you when you have a bigger drag on your income from uh, higher taxes, it, it does not help productivity and growth of the economy to help grow out through that and yeah. be able to liquidate the debt, much less service the debt with the current interest charges being levied. But 
the thing is you, you just you need to focus with your people in your life that you have influence with on the, you know the value of saving of deferring things for uh, looking toward the future so that when you get to a point where you maybe can't or don't want to be able to uh, continue to work, that you've got something to fall back on because it's not necessarily all going to be there like yeah. it was in the past with pensions and so forth. Yep, for sure. All right, let's do our next point, housing market yeah. stability. So, mm-hmm. right, so clearly this has been interesting as well the last four or five years, you know, so the prices are absolutely out of control and, you know, interest rates obviously ticked up. Now we may see them cool that down here in 2024 and maybe some, you know, the getting a home price or at least the the, uh, interest rate might come back down a little bit. But again, I mean, how many videos and stuff do you see on a regular basis of of younger folks in their their 30s and 20s saying there's no way in the world they could even think about buying a home? They can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather, um, let's see, he was born in, I think, 1906 and then 1930 during the height of the Depression, (laughs) built his own house, his first house, paid cash for it. I think it was $30,000, if I'm remembering that number correctly. And um, I may be mixing it up with 1930 and 30,000. But at any rate, it was a seemingly small amount to us today, but, you know, worth a lot back then, that $30,000. Um, and he paid cash for it. Um, he didn't take a mortgage. Mortgages have become more of a thing because the housing prices have gotten to the point where people are not able to yeah. really save up for that. Yeah. And then when you tap the rate up to 7 and 8% on those things, which I kind of laugh about that because when we first uh, got married back in 1977, we bought our first house in 1980 and had an 8.5% interest rate. Right. And we were pleased. <laughs> there are other people getting fourteen and things like that yeah, a few yeah. years down the road beyond us. I mean, not at that point. And but six just a few yeah, years later. And six months ago, somebody got a seven percent, and they were like flabbergasted, right? Yeah, they were yeah, uh, right. enraged, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can remember my father-in-law uh, telling me he had a two and a half, I think it was, or two and three quarter percent interest rate uh, from the VA on his house. And, uh, you know, we said, well, we'll never see that again. Well, guess well, what? Well, yeah. I mean, seven years ago, I bought this one and I was, a, I'm a three, right? There you go. There so. you go. So it's, it's interesting, uh, how, how things happen that way, but, um, the housing prices have certainly gotten and that's, into it. Yeah. And that's the problem, right? I mean, like even, even if we don't go back down and see, you know, sub three, you know, numbers, yeah. you know, three to five or, or four to six is not terrible on a properly priced house. But right. when we've come out of an era, like, you know, when we come out of an era where you could have bought just six or seven years ago, you could have bought a house for $250,000 at 3%. And that same house and in, in right now is 500000 for the same exact house. Yeah. And, you know, 5%, that's a big nut to move, right? It is. It is. And the um, fact that that's going on, you know, it just it prices people out and they say, well, yeah. I'll wait. Well, you know, you wait and it keeps on moving, it seems. It so, does. Uh, it and does. if interest rates do come back down, which they probably will, they go in cycles right. and all that. Right. Nothing right. predictable, but, you know, they come back down. What does that do? Well, that just um, makes the demand higher for more housing. Therefore, prices continue to spiral up. Yeah. So, and, and I've talked to a ton of advisors, Mike, that, you know, that some people's <clears throat> retirement plans included maybe changing their home, right? They had planned to downsize, get something downsize. different. And, right. and even downsizing may, might not make sense because the price of the thing you thought about downsizing to 
doesn't work out in the plan the way it did maybe just you know five years ago when you drew, when you drew up the plan or whatever, right? So it's right. worth it to talk to your advisor and try to figure out does that alter things you know in this whole retirement landscape because of everything that's going on. And that actually walks me right into number four, Mike, which is just okay. a simpler landscape overall. Investing certainly, right? So back in the day, again, if we're talking about is retirement harder now, you didn't have a lot of options. So. I mean, let's just go with something as simple as the mutual fund. That was a revolutionary thing when it was created. It was. It wasn't until the 90s that the ETF was created because of technology. Changed Mm -hmm. the landscape, right? So mutual funds have, you know, we're still using them, but they're definitely not as, you know, pushed, I think, by advisors now as ETFs and other products because technology's changed. So it's a lot more complicated. Yeah, I mean, think about some of the things that have come along. I mean, I think that back through like the 80s and, and uh, the limited partnership craze where there were things, you know, real estate. Okay, that's kind of vanilla. Uh, you know, a lot of people invest in real estate for a long time. But then things started getting into low-income housing and modular housing and uh, transportational housing, all kinds of things like that. Then it moved out into leasing, leasing airplanes, leasing equipment, leasing computers, all kind of th- stuff like that, where you can invest in along, you know, in something along those lines. Right. Oil and gas drilling. Who drilled oil and gas? I mean, just Jed Clampett out in Texas was the only one that was doing that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> uh, right. For you, y'all that don't know that, that's the Beverly Hillbillies. That's the 1960s, uh, 70s. I, I'm uh, pretty sure most of our audience probably knows it, but yeah. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> yeah. But maybe if they're, you know, maybe if their you know, kids or grandkids are checking this out. That's maybe, right. That's yeah. right. And and you may need to take your kids out of the room for that while we're talking about Jed Clampett. But that's anyway, right. uh, I'm no, just saying, though. I'm just saying Ellie Mae. That's all I'm going to say. Ellie Mae. That's right. That's anyway. right. She was something else. But um, in Jethro, of course. But um, the the different things. I mean, I we even had horse racing and all kind of stuff like that that people tried to get us to sell to our clients. Well, wow. I've spent a lot of time over the years since trying to help clients unwind those messes that were created by those complex deals uh. that didn't make sense. They were tax deals and all like that in many cases. Right. And then, you know, we get through that and and then comes Bitcoin and whatever we're, whatever we're into now, right? You yeah, know. right. And, and uh, what are they? Those things called? Uh, I can't even think of what they're called. Where you? Uh, oh, the NFTs. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, yeah. NFTs. I yeah. couldn't think of the word. I can't even begin to figure out what it is. Yeah. What in the world is that? Right. Yeah. So let me just, sell you I'm a digital more. piece of art for some ridiculous yeah, amount exactly. of money that could be completely created or flipped. Yeah, just crazy. Yeah, yeah just crazy. So uh, all, all kind of things like that, which. It's just simply, it's all about marketing and lining some uh, promoter's pockets. It's not about you being successful with your investing. It is just taking you off track and looking at the latest shiny thing. And that is scary because Mm -hmm. that is going to damage your ability to reach your retirement goals in a reasonable way and not having to become so frugal that you can't even turn around without, you know. uh, Yeah. and get there. So Yeah, exactly. Well, let's hit our last one here, Mike. Higher interest yeah. rates, kind of, we kind of touched on it a little bit anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So you find, it's funny because when you're talking to people and we have this thing in our brain, right, where we think about the good old days and somebody mm-hmm. goes, man, I sure would love to get a, a CD like I had back in the 80s, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, in 1980, Mike, a CD on the average across the country was about 15%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Sounds pretty darn good. Does U.S. Treasury was about eleven percent, and a mortgage rate was thirteen percent. Yep. So really, the CD was only two percent more than your home rate. If you want to, if you want to think about it, compared to today. So 
I just use my example of I have a 3% mortgage. So I could probably get a 5% CD at the bank currently with the current interest rates before they cut them, right? Well, that's the same thing. It's really only 2% more. So it's it's easy to kind of nostalgia our way to things and go, well, higher interest rates back then were great, but were they? <laughs> because yeah, everything right. was higher. So you got to kind of, and I inflation. mean, and inflation, right. And we're, well, granted, our inflation's out of control right now. We know that too, but you kind of have to take that grain of salt with some things too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and inflation was out of control back then when the rates were in that uh, 15% range, 12, uh, 15 um uh, Inflation was 12. I mean, right. good grief. In the late 70s, early 80s until it got, got And they can tell us it's four now, but we know it's not. We know it's more yeah. than that. Just go to the store, right? That's right. <laughs> oh, you aren't kidding. It's crazy stuff. I was uh, tomatoes. Uh, I wow. went to the meat department the other day, and I'm looking at this, and I thought, these used to be single-digit prices per pound, and these are like multiple double-digit prices. Yeah. I hadn't looked at it in a while, apparently. Yeah, we're growing we're growing more tomatoes because my wife was like, I can't believe how tomatoes are out of control. Oh, you know, yeah. price of yeah. tomatoes, right? So, I mean, yes, they're still we're still dealing with it, right? So, and sure. I think the point is, if you're tying on this all back into our conversation, Mike, is is it harder today? It's easy to feel like it is. Uh, uh-huh. And in some ways, maybe it is, but it's also, it's just more complex. And I think that's also kind of that, what do they call that, uh, recency bias that we all kind yes. of live with. We think things are harder today than maybe they, you know, really are, or than they really were. And we kind of look back on history with a little fondness. So at the end of it, you got to have a plan. You just got to strategize for the time that you're in because you're not retiring 35 years ago. You're retiring, you know, in two years or five years or whatever that looks like. So you got to plan for the now. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and you know, that that really is the case. Uh, it's easy to put it off because you think, oh, this is too complex to figure this all out. Mm-hmm. It's really not. Yeah. Uh, it just takes some guidance. And, um, you know, here's a few pieces of information we need. Here's some assumptions we make. And and then we kind of figure it out. And then and stress the tested and- is just doing it, mm-hmm. just you know, getting started and not worrying so much about all the complexities that you could go through. You know, it, it is a lot about mindset and having the mind that if I'm going to get there, I've got to start now. And it's just like anything else in life. You just got to have a discipline to start now and, and and start moving toward it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I'll, I'll leave us with this, Mike. I've, you know, I've been losing weight uh, this, you know, since this new year started. I've been finally focused and, and able to not like, you know, fall off the wagon and all that kind of stuff that I've done for many years, like most of us have. Nice, and what yes. part of what I did was I started looking at the little minutia of things mm-hmm. in general and said, I'm not going to take the easy path every time it's presented because that's allowing me to take the easy path with food or with exercise. Right. And it's the simple thing like, you know, just instead of using my phone and hitting a playlist on some streaming service, I'm going old school and I'm walking over to the turntable and I'm putting an album on, I'm selecting an album and putting the album on and then exercising. And then when the side stops and I have to go flip it, then I change, you know, it sounds a little silly, but doing, taking the little extra daily hard steps, you know, Mm -hmm. seems to be, helping like you know go you know hand wash the dishes once in a while instead of just using the dishwasher i know that sounds crazy but it actually works because your brain gets used to going hey this isn't so bad right and then then you just start to create that habit of just Mm -hmm. automatically jumping up and doing it and therefore you're moving it and you can apply that to your finances okay this isn't so bad right you know start taking some steps so absolutely we got a little uh, philosophical here this week on the show (laughs) but that's all right so look hey if you need to take some steps and you know you do 
you know, Mike's here to help. I mean, that's what he does, right? So him and and uh, and Phil as well. He's got Phil Corson, who's going to be joining us on the podcast in a couple of weeks as well. He's an estate planning attorney and uh, and financial advisor, so another great resource. So reach out to him. Have a conversation. Stop by the website at spcinvesting.com. That's spcinvesting.com. Mike's been doing this for 40-plus years. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or uh, YouTube platforms, whatever you like using for your podcasting needs. Mike, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Hey, thank you. We really enjoy it always, Mark. And uh, just a, a quick little plug. Yes, sir. We're doing a webinar on the 14th of March uh, about horse racing, since I brought that up today. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and how it relates to investing. So uh, people will be getting invitations if you want to go by our website and check it out. Uh, we'll be glad to uh, have you join our webinar on the 14th of March. So anyway. Fantastic. Yeah, so spcinvesting.com. I'm looking forward to checking that out myself. And we'll see you next time here on Strategic Planning. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.